Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Nobody's Princess by Erica Ridley. This was published in 2022 and is the third in the Wild Winchester series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy for review. And you may remember that we have reviewed the first two in the series. And in fact, the second book was just re-released this week and was one of our favorite books of 2021. It was so surprisingly great. And I say surprisingly not because I don't expect great things of Erica Ridley, but because so many of the tropes and the setup like, are things that I don't typically gravitate toward. Yep. And I still was really into it. So let's talk about this book and see if she keeps up the trend. The book jacket. Nothing happens in London without Graham Winchester knowing. His massive collection of intelligence is invaluable to his family's mission of aiding those most in need. So when he deciphers a series of coded messages in the scandal sheets, Graham's convinced he must come to a royal's rescue. But his quarry turns out to be not a princess at all. The captivating Kunigunde de Hoich is anything but a damsel in distress. And the last thing she wants is Graham's help. All her life, Cooney trained alongside the fiercest royal guardsmen in her family, secretly planning to become her country's first royal guardswoman. This mission in London is a chance to prove herself worthy without help from a man, not even one devilishly handsome as Graham. To her surprise, Graham believes in her dream as much as she does, which makes it harder to resist kissing him and falling in love. But how can she risk her heart if her future lies an ocean away? Uh, this book jacket, though, is, like, fine. And, in I fact, think... it's kind of boring. And the one thing I will say is if you just read the book jacket and you don't look at the cover of the book, it's not mentioned anywhere that Cooney and Graham are black. Right. So I will – I'll mention it here. But that seems to be – a theme in the book jackets that we're reading that have diverse characters, either, you know, different sexual identities or different races. They're, they're, I don't want to say it's like erasure, but they're not acting like it's an important part of the book. Which is interesting because on the one hand, you know, destigmatizing and not being normative is obviously a huge part of inclusivity. But at the same right. time, when, like, the main conflicts are these differences, whether they be gender identity or racial identity in, like, a, the context of a society that is not accepting. Right. Obviously, I, I want to know what the major conflicts are when I read the jacket. And so not mentioning it means I don't know that this is a major conflict. Yeah. And our country's first royal guards woman. Okay. So I guess they do sort of touch on the fact that she's she's trying to break this specific barrier. But. Yeah. So uh, we tried to top the jacket uh, by generating a random number between 1 and 50 and then writing our own summaries using that number as a word count. Okay. And this episode, that number is 24. Meg, you want to start? I, I sure can. 
Cooney is going to be a Balkovian royal guard, and she won't let anything stop her. Not even a hot British spy adjacent parkour practicing hottie. Correct. Hilariously, he doesn't want to stop her. I mean, not really. But like, she, a... she makes up a lot of conflict in her head in this book. They both do, Lane. Correct. They both do. Correct. <laughs> What's your 24-word summary? Uh, Graham thinks the AU of Bridgerton would solve all of his problems. Cooney and Graham both need info on English security and don't work together. I mean, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's what happens. So Graham's, like, big identity crisis is that he is half black and um, was raised in a circus. And he feels like for a lot of reasons he has not been seen in his life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so for some reason he's convinced himself that if he can get the recognition of the king, that will overcome the anonymity or like social stigma associated with both the color of his skin and being a Winchester. Right. Which is why my comment about the Bridgerton eight, like he feels like a universe in which the king married a black woman would solve all of his problems. Like right. That's mm -hmm. the, the very simplistic worldview that he's adopted. Right. And she's here on a mission for, in London. He has a secret mission from the king to just figure out where the holes in security are. Right. And the fact that she is so opposed to working together. And he is too, really. Like, she doesn't want his help because she wants to do it herself. But he sort of feels like he already has it all. Yeah, he's like, why do you need, basically, he's like, why are you, why do you need to do this? I'll give you my intelligence. But it's, he's supposed to be working on this report for the king, and, but we never see him gathering intelligence. It's because it's already you done. See? Right, it's already basically done. It's, so it's all very, like, nothing. There, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's really, it's truly nothing. It's really nothing. Tropes. This book is not super tropey. Right? Like, there's no, there's not, like, the romance trope. Right? You're not like, this is enemies to lovers. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, there are some tropes that I did not play any of these out because I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know. Um, she's a girl who wants to follow in her family's business, but the family is male only. Right? So, like. Well, the business they, is male only. The business the is male only. Not the <laughs> But, you know, like, Sanford and Sons. Right? Right. So, and I think yeah. we often see it with, like, daughters who want to run daddy's company. Yes. And are facing resistance from the board. So mm -hmm. I think there's a strong... The, the warrior princess aspect to this mm -hmm. is a little bit fresh in the historical romance world. But I think the general, I want to do the job my dad did, but my brothers who are less deserving are getting to do it just because they're boys is very common. Okay. Totally. Absolutely. I can think of like three or four off the top of my head with yep. that trope. They're both sad, tragic orphans. Sure uh, he's are. a Winchester, obviously. And she lost her mother uh, relatively young and then her father relatively recently. And what she views as the tragedy of their lives is very much the motivating factor. Mm -hmm. And Graham views his parents' dynamic very much as his motivating factor. So they. Yes. Fit the trope to a T. 
As all of the Wild Winchesters books, this is a found family. So the Winchesters are basically the adopted wards of a Balkovian baron. And I'm so I'm going to tell you, in the first book, I thought he was a fake baron. Because his name is Vanderbeen. Mm-hmm. And they call him Bean. I did not think he was an actual baron. And I didn't think Balkovia was a real country. But in this book, we learn that Balkovia is a real country. And he actually was a real baron. Interesting. I did not think it was made up. I just took it at face value. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, this can't be real. Vanderbeen the Baron. But <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> um, yep. She has custom-made clothes yep. because of her unique interests. So in her case, she's got like pants sewn under her skirts and holes sewn in the sides of all of them so she can quickly access knives. Mm-hmm. But I think we have seen plenty of women who customize their wardrobe in a way that is very distinctive, but unobtrusive to the public eye or unnoticeable so to the many. public eye. Yep. Uh, they have good bisects. They both know it's good bisects. Yes. Can I tell you, I knew someone who did this in real life. No. We were studying, yeah, we were, we were studying abroad. And she had this boyfriend in the, this, you know, I, I studied right in Spain. So he was the Spanish dude and they like dated. She was supposed to be there for a semester. And then before they left, like she was like, Oh, I'm gonna give you my virginity. <laughs> so they did. She did. And yeah, I know, I know. And then she was like, um, she changed her plan so she could stay for the next semester. And dude was obviously like, I've just wanted to have sex with you, and they broke up. Isn't this like the worst story? <laughs> nope, 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 all over that. So anyway, goodbye sex is, um, does not usually work out very well. I'll just say that. In the one example you know of in real life. <laughs> yes, the one example <laughs> I know of in real life. But like, I feel like it would, it's a representative example. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, oh yeah, they have good bisects. They both know it's good bisects because they've known all along that she had a departure date. And I think this is a lot more common in building off Meg's story, like modern young adult romances. Uh-huh. Like I'm going to Paris for the semester, and then I leave for the Peace Corps, or then yes. I, my visa expires, or uh-huh. we're like. These people have life plans that are obviously changeable, but like from the the inception, like the return ticket home is already purchased. Yes. You can change those. That's just it. Like that is even in this historical romance where she is a Balkovian princess minder, like clearly this is not an insurmountable, insurmountable obstacle and it's treated like one. It's like, yes. just don't get on the boat this time. There's another boat coming in two months. Like, this is not an emergency. Thank you. I was like, you had a little bit of time, you know? But whatever. Mm. Okay. Um, and, uh, oh my God, pants. Oh, hilarious, because he specifically thinks, I basically didn't think I'd be an oh my God, pants guy, but oh my God, pants. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was cute. And uh, specifically a reference for Natalie of Kiss and Left You, Let Me Tell You. She got off the plane. <laughs> oh, okay. So I want to preface this whole review by saying, reiterating that the second book in the series was like incredible. We really loved it. And I think that part of the reason this book didn't strike me as being that amazing may have been very high expectations. So I just want to say that um, because I did not love this book. So I, we kind of alluded to this in discussion, discussion of tropes and our summaries. I, I don't know what the stakes even were here. Right. So he's been asked by the king to compile a security report to basically do the like hacker hired by the crown thing to like try to find the weaknesses, but there's no emergency. There's no mm -hmm. like date by which if this doesn't happen, a specific danger gets avoided or happens. Like there's no rush. There's no, and, and Ram's logic for why this would be life-changing doesn't make any sense. Right. And why it's a secret, like other than just, you don't tell people you're about to hack into them. Like <laughs> doesn't all make, doesn't make any sense. Right. So and even on her side, like, she's here to do the reconnaissance to prove herself, but it's reconnaissance ahead of, like, state diplomatic visit. Yeah. Like, they don't so, have any reason to suspect anyone's in danger. Yeah. Like, it's just intel. And so there's no stakes at all. And then they try to add this plot point about these poor workers being exploited. But even that has no urgency. They try to go through parliament and then that doesn't work. And so then they come up with another plan. But it's not like if they don't do it by a certain date, someone dies. Or if they don't do it by a certain date, this other law gets passed. Like the only faux urgency associated with that is that Cooney's ship is leaving. Yes. They are trying to get it done before she goes. But like it's not, there's no reason it has to happen. Yes. So there's, there's so nothing in this book that had any urgency whatsoever. Yeah, so Cooney's ship is leaving, and the tryouts for the Royal Guards are, you know, a few days after the ship is supposed to get back. So she's in town. She's supposed to be proving herself worthy of even sitting for the tryouts, basically. So she had a little bit more urgency than he did. Yeah, but she even says, like, she assumes the king would say no. And that right. she needed her father's sponsorship. Like, she hasn't actually tried right. to do it the normal way. They just it's assumed it would have been impossible. Yeah. And there's no reason, like, why she had to take the exams this year and next, waiting till next year is impossible. Mm -hmm. Isn't I mean, justified. Like, I'm not saying there aren't deadlines given. Clearly, she's yes. got to get on the boat that's leaving. But I'm saying, like, as a reader, nothing felt imperative. Yes. But let's say that let's say that we do take for granted this idea that she needs to get back and she needs to sit for these exams or she needs to do these tryouts or whatever. Right. Right. Why in the world? It, it, it felt to me like I, I, I don't know why the characters were separated as much as they were for such a short time period. She's in town for three weeks. Yeah, pretty much. Right, like she has 40 months, days but, in England, yeah. but they've already met. 
Right. Yeah. Um, and she's staying at his house. So, like, I'm reading this book, and I'm like, okay, we're going to be setting up some forced proximity. They're going to be in the house. They won't be able to avoid each other. They're going to run into each other, you know, after the bath or, you know, all these things that you can do in historical romances. And instead, he's like, no, I'm going to go out of town for literally a week. It's a third of the time they have to spend with each other. So you can hang out with my sisters. Yep. And that's the other thing. A lot of this time is elided. So, like, he goes out of town, and then we have a couple of scenes of her hanging out with his sisters, but not that much, right? So it doesn't feel like this whole week has passed. There's also, like, a Chekhov's gun that doesn't go off, where it seems like Cooney and his sister Elizabeth are, like, causing trouble and teaching boys lessons. Yes. And the way it's presented, you think there's going to be, like, the boys are going to try to get back at them in a way that is dangerous and could potentially provide, like, stakes. Nope, doesn't happen. They're never mentioned again. Nope, nope. Um, okay, then they go out of town again. This time she yep. goes with him. And this time the trip is longer than just a week. It's going to be, like, ten days or something. It's five days of traveling in each direction because they have to stop frequently for his ill sister. And then two days in this countryside. So you'd think... Only one bed at the inn. They've got to like excuses to be alone. They have they to get out in the carriage, carriage together. Thank you. No, nope. this entire trip, there's not one single day of the trip, either there or back, that is described in detail. You learn a lot about like their hands sort of touching when they're sitting next to each other. But that, <laughs> that's not enough. That, that does not a carriage make out make. <laughs> I'm giving you facts. And they also share the carriage with someone else at all times. Yeah, and there's a third carriage that just has stuff in it. When I heard that, I was like, oh, shit's getting moved around so they can be in a carriage alone. Nope. And look, here's the thing. Is this probably more realistic? Yes. Is that why a read a historical romance? No. There are bones I'm about to pick about realism. Oh, I don't think I've thing. ever complained about an unrealistic situation that led to sex. <laughs> Correct. Like, oh, they definitely wouldn't have been left alone together on that veranda to waltz and garden fondle. Have I ever said that? Never. No. Is it true? Yeah. Do I give a shit? Absolutely not. So what we're saying is we as readers don't really care about historical accuracy when it comes to sexy times. Correct. And this book had a lot of historical accuracy when it came to sexy times. A lot. Like, way too much? Basically, this is way too slow of a burn. When it got to, like, 85% and they still hadn't done anything more than kiss, I was like, mm, mm And the kisses weren't even explicit. And I don't mean, like, we don't know how much they escalated. I don't know how much heavy petting was involved. I don't know how turned on they were. Like, it's, it wasn't on the page. Right. It was just they found a corner and made out a little. Like, that was what I knew. Yeah. I'll just say, too, by the end of the book, like, this is a romance. We know there's going to be a happily ever after. <laughs> I was dying because they are separated. She's on the boat. He's back on land. And they are thinking about how they're going to miss the other one. And both of them have pages long 
inner monologue. At this point, I'm like, no, you need to wrap this shit up. Watching each other get smaller as the boat moves. I'm like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. And also, I mean, I was just like really annoyed actually at how it ended. Yes. Which is that she, so this entire book, she's been like, I want to be a royal guard. I want to be a yep. royal guardsman, guardswoman, guardsperson, a guard, right? Let's use guard. That's probably the best gender neutral term. Like it's been her ultimate goal. And then she learns from spending time with the Winchesters that, you know, maybe she could do more good, more practical good somewhere else. Fine, whatever. It just for a series that's like explicitly progressive and feminist and anti-racist her giving up her life's dream to be with a man kind of sucked yeah and i also have a bone to pick about the ending specifically so spoiler alert they end up together and they get married i don't really feel a need to put in a disclaimer about that no the whole winchester spiel is bean is a real minor royal like aristocrat from this Mm -hmm. foreign country that affords them an estate in London and all the money. And mm-hmm. however, they are all adopted children and therefore not legitimate heirs. So they made up a fake heir who legally is like on paper the person who owns the estate, the person who controls the funding. It's really just all six of the like kids teaming up. And Graham wants to do good for the people who come to them as clients, but also like work for the crown. Mm-hmm. So it is in everyone's best interest to not like disappear, but to fly under the radar. They don't want to draw right. attention to the fact that the great aunt Winchester, who was their chaperone for all these years, doesn't exist, or that right. the heir himself doesn't exist. Like, mm-hmm. and they throw this big ass wedding and invite all this royalty and like <laughs> get everyone into the house. And you know, great aunt Winchester's not there, and you know the baron's not there because they don't fucking exist. <laughs> and so this this is where I'm like, this is where I needed a little bit of realism. Like, I needed Tommy, like, a, a throwaway line that she'd walked in as the heir and walked in as Great Aunt Winchester and, like, was playing four people at this wedding entertaining the shit out of herself. Like, you gotta, you, but you've got to do something. Like, there is no way people of this rank are going to be in this house for this wedding that was planned for months and the fact that the heir's not there and there's no supervision and there's nothing but these orphan kids who, like, don't even show up places together. Like, it just, it didn't make sense. I need a little bit more lip service paid to how the Winchesters were maintaining their necessary subtlety to do the work they do. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. I'm going to be honest. I was probably, like, kind of done with the book by the very end. And I was like, okay, bye. I was just like, this This wedding better have consequences in the next book. Like, if he's getting the attention of the king from his report and all these royalty people were in their house, especially when, like, Chloe just pretended to be an associate, mm-hmm. a fake princess, and is now, like, chummy with the real princess. And I get that there was some cover-up for that built into the narrative. But, like, all of this screams is, like, a very stupid decision. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Anyway, that was my biggest actual pet peeve. We just kind of went off about this book. That said, I want to be very clear with you. 
there is no offensiveness section in None. in our notes. Like we might have complaints about the plot, the characterization, um, the denouement. We have no issues with how social issues were portrayed. No, and it's it's a cute series. The Winchester concept is really fun. There's a really great scene where they go and steal an anteater. That is really mm-hmm. funny. Like Best there's a book. lot the, the the sibling dynamic remains really charming and really fun. It's just that like I've gotten three books of that. I needed a romance that didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. I I really wanted a romance. And that's what was missing, which is really hard when you're reading a romance novel. You know? And especially when, you know, the last one not was like the most explicit thing I'd ever read, but definitely like had some heat. Mm-hmm. I mean the first one too. Yeah, this one had no heat. Yeah. I mean, so that's our third section that we always talk about sexiness. There is a sex scene. There are some kisses. I mean, they're they are written. <laughs> <laughs> it is written. <laughs> They're in the book. So we want you to know. I mean, it is there. But to be completely honest, by the time we got around to it, I was like, too little, too late. I'm sorry. I mean, the sex scene is like, it's good. The only sex scene is the goodbye sex in the last 10% of the book. Yeah. Yep. It is. Also, one thing that annoyed me a smidgen, only a smidgen, though. Neither of them have any romantic or sexual history discussed, alluded to. Like, they talk about, like, people their families wish they would court or people they wish they could court. There's no discussion of, like, what physical experience they have or have not had or Mm -hmm. what, like, if they've ever had romantic feelings for another person. And so when they go to have sex, I was like, cool, I'm actually, like, into this romantic history is so irrelevant. It's not even brought up. And then, like, he makes a, this might hurt. Like, are you okay? Are you prepared? And it's like, it, it wasn't to the point of, like, fetishizing virginity, and it didn't annoy me in that regard. But I was like, you've given us nothing. They've discussed nothing about their romantic history, but he's supposed to know enough whether or not he has a sexual history to, like, prepare her, and it just assumes she's a virgin. Would Would you have preferred, like, a really short convo, like, you know, we haven't talked about this, you know, I'm not very experienced, like... Would I have preferred they'd talked more about things that showed emotional connection? Yes. (laughs) I mean, yes, I I agree. agree. (laughs) So, like, it's nothing about this book. I was at no point, I know I just, like, went on too many rants, but at no point reading this book was I, like, pissed off. That, it's just that, like it had nothing exactly that it. captivated me. Yeah, that that's exactly it. Like we have some specific criticisms. There's nothing that's like damning about this book. It's not offensive. There's nothing, there's no violence. That's the thing too that's frustrating is that you would think on the face of it, this is fun, this is low angst, this is high energy, this is something we would really like. But there's no it's not emotional, there's no romance. Yeah, it's, it's, if you really enjoy the Winchester books and, like, want to read those siblings being adorable together, this book is, like, 
you very well may be in the mood for that specifically. And in that case, like definitely recommend it. You know exactly what you're going to expect. And I'm still really interested in the rest of this series. I got to know Marjorie and Elizabeth so much better in this book. And I really like them as characters. Mm -hmm. So like, I certainly wouldn't recommend skipping it if you're enjoying the series. But read it but any time between now and when the next one comes out. Yeah. And, and just know that it's not, it's really just not up to the level of book two. More book one. Oh, well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.